0: Hey, everyone, this is David. Welcome back, Behind the Velvet Rope. Oh, let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, Miss Lady Bunny.
1: Oh, hello, David, how are you?
0: How are you today? Now, do you prefer to be called Miss Bunny, Lady Bunny, Bunny? Well,
1: you know what? The, the, sometimes RuPaul will call me the Lady Bunny. Because when we got our start together in Atlanta, Georgia, um, I did call myself the Lady Bunny. Uh, which don't ask why it was an in joke, not worth it. Uh never that funny funny to begin with. But then I put quotes around lady, and so then people were getting it mixed up and putting quotes around the as if there was another lady bunny. And I said, you know what? Let's just simplify it and have it be. Lady Bunny, but it's natural for people to call me either, you know, Miss Bunny or Miss Bun Bun or Lady Bun Bun. So, baby, as long as you call me, I'm not too bothered
0: about the- (laughs) Seriously, right? (laughs) Call me. (laughs) Call you, call you, call you. Well, I have called you and I really appreciate you saying yes to sitting down and chatting with me. I am so excited to chat with you. Same here. We have so much to get into. Now, where are you now? I mean, I, I'm in New York, but where are you?
1: I'm in New York City. I live in Greenwich
0: Village, and it's a beautiful day. You do live in Greenwich Village. I, I, I live in Chelsea, and I pass you, I've you. i passed you on the street many a time. I didn't know if you lived in the village or just did a lot of work in the village, but you're close. Yes, we're, very, we're neighbors. You never know who's in New York anymore these days, Right.
1: Well, I mean I'm 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 one of those who's kind of a a lifer. You know, I can't really imagine doing what I do anywhere else. And I understand that for those who can work from home, they did they they may have left New York because they want to A have a bigger place for less money and um and and B not be in a place where we're packed you know, on top of each other, like sardines, which may, you know, lead to more risk of, of COVID infection. So I understand it, but I can't really do what I, I, I need to have fabric stores. Like when the fabric stores and the notions stores, the trimming and all that stuff for, for, even though I don't sew, but you know, that made me feel when they reopened, I was back in the game that, you know, even though things were slow, you know, I could get dresses made, you know, do my holiday stuff and all that. So seriously, uh, I need to be here. I mean, you know, you could look at a fabric on uh line but if they're not they're going to put filters on it you got to go look at it and feel it and see if it wrinkles and hold it up in the light and see if it twinkles and all that <laughs>
0: have have you had bad luck with ordering fabrics online
1: I've had bad luck with ordering Facebook, uh, stuff with Facebook ads, and Mm. a lot of them don't say that the companies are in China and that it's going to be three months before it gets there. And also, as a plus-size diva, XXL in China ain't XXL in the U.S., because, honey, we like to eat. It's just XXL is not the same as it is here, but yeah, you can you can get you can get um, uh, you can get ripped off by the online stuff. So I don't for one I don't understand you know with with the shoe comfort being so important. I don't understand how people can shop for shoes online you
0: know <laughs> that that I don't understand I don't understand how cuz like now there's really no dressing rooms either like I had to buy stuff the other day just clothes and I'm like I ordered it online and I'm like all right I guess this is going to have to work uh, have, well it, it, it stick with the elasticized
1: waistbands and then you can just eat as much as you want
0: well now that it's covid <laughs> that that's pretty much exactly what I've been doing um where are you so you're from georgia originally right i'm from uh i grew up in nearby
1: chattanooga tennessee which is right on the border of georgia and tennessee i'm from wilmington north carolina but i've been here for
0: 35 years in new york and i'm i'm a lifer You are a lifer. I'm a lifer. Well, that's what I said, like, with COVID. I'm like, you know, this is my home. Like, I'm not leaving. I I thought of leaving for, you know, a minute, but I'm like, it'll always come back to New York for me, and I'm not leaving, because then you're like, why am I moving all around just to come back? That makes no sense at all. Well,
1: especially if you have an uh, apartment you've had for a while and and it's reasonable, but look, I've looked around in other boroughs and I've I I kind of agree with my uh friend who said I didn't move to New York City to live in, you know, um uh anywhere but Manhattan and that's that's, that's kind of, Even though Manhattan has changed, that's still my feeling, and I, I I can't imagine, you know, like, I mean, I know some friends who love the calm, excuse me, <clears throat> of living upstate or something, but, you know, I would just wake up and walk outside and think, oh, my God, where's the action? <laughs> this is, this is deadly dull. Is there no trouble I can get into? And it's like, then, oh, you know, sometimes, Sometimes we get a little – sometimes we have a promiscuous side,
0: and you really don't want to be stuck in a small town with the same people. <laughs> uh, and, honey, I'm sure you agree with me after 35 years. New York is small enough, right? But yeah, yeah, and, and,
1: and uh, I just can't imagine – I can't imagine um, being in upstate New York. I mean, I could – I can't think of what city it would be that I could move to, but I could think of maybe moving to another city like Amsterdam, which has legal weed um, and prostitution. So you can just get really stoned and then just start turning tricks.
0: <laughs> Listen, honey, I mean... There's nothing. You know, this is COVID, so that's not uh, a bad way to spend your time, right? Well,
1: actually, a lot of of of, of, of people are 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 doing, you know, OnlyFans, and and uh, so hey, more power to them. Exactly. Well, I mean, I I, I have an exclusive contract with only grands.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, and we're actually speaking of OnlyFans. I mean, we're going to get into all the current stuff you have going on now the hhn a little bit later in this chat with miss bianca del rio but she said it i think that you guys are not doing only fans just because you know not because you don't want to but because you're too ugly her words not mine <laughs> you gotta love the shade of miss del rio right oh of course even when she's throwing
1: it on herself and she and she always does and she is a a, a she she's a treat but we'll talk about that later on um Yes. Great. I loved working with her. As um, always.
0: Yes, we we must discuss that. So what was growing up like in where, where you grew up? Like what was Chattanooga, that
1: like? Tennessee. It was yeah. a, I, I it was fine, you know. It was like an you know, just like a very typical suburban um experience. You know, my parents were, you know, I'm very lucky in terms of them accepting me as whatever. I wanted to be and in fact I even challenged them at one point and you know was watching probably that girl with Marlo Thomas oh, and wow. there was always like a pressure for her to to date you know doctors or lawyers and uh this was a common theme in the 1960s and 70s like that girls should look for you know, husbands who make a lot of money. And so I would ask my parents, so do you not want me to be a doctor or a, a lawyer? And they would say, not if you don't want to. And now they say, oh, you really called our bluff. <laughs> well, that's. <laughs> I said, well, you said I could. There's a you big old drag queen. But no, there, they're, I could. I, I did look out in the parents department and it really, you know, I be, I be, of course we go through that period in our teens where we resent our parents. Teens and twenties, um, you know, sometimes mine lasted a little bit longer, but, you know, you, you, you want to become your own person. And How so you're, you, you're, it's important for you to say, I'm not them. I'm me. That's how they did things. This is how I'm going to do things as I set off on my own. But after I'd been on my own, I realized that some of my friends couldn't even tell their parents that they were gay, much less that they are, you know, have a career doing drag, which mine have been supportive of. And um, I don't, I don't don't say that they necessarily understand it, um, but they, they get it by now.
0: I'll admit it. As important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. Well, that's good. And what about like high school? I mean, like, was it the typical, you know, like... I guess I'm just putting you in the alternative category. I was in the alternative category myself. Like, did you, were you like high school bullied? I mean, uh, I was, or you didn't even have, it was, no, I'm just making that up and making your life more dramatic than it is.
1: Well, I mean, I, I was actually on student council okay. and, and kind of popular. And I think I coasted through it. Anyone that met me knew that I was a, sissy, and that I wasn't interested in sports, and that I was femmy, and I always had long hair, so um the, the they just kind of put me in this boat as other, but I think that because, I, I really don't know, because I was popular, or whatever, I kind of got through it. Now, when my elementary school, um, uh, fed into my junior uh, high school, I was cool through that period. But then when my junior high school fed into my high school where these, most of these kids had were coming from other schools and had not grown up with me and knowing my ways and accepting them for the most part, there was a little bit of trouble there, but I only stayed at that high school for one year. And uh so that was that. So yeah, you know what? Somehow, I, I coasted through it, and I'm lucky in that respect because I'm kind of a strong person, but um, and, 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 and not everyone is. So, you know, I, I, I was resourceful and I found validation through working in, you know, local dinner theater, or my dad was a professor, so I would do theater uh, when they needed a child or teens role in uh, the university. Uh, theatrical productions. So I was hanging out with college students, and I, I kind of, you know, would would. um I mean, at one point they asked me to audition for some high school production of South Pacific, and I just kind of like rolled my eyes, and I was like, um, "I'm doing dinner theater," <laughs> which is right. which is which. Now now I know that dinner theater was uh is kind of looked down upon as like you know second class, <laughs> but but I, I I was you know I, I was like audition me would you audition you know Marilyn Monroe
0: (laughs) oh my god
1: so I mean you know I I I, you know I, I was able to look outside the experiences of everything that was going on and know that there were other worlds in which I was more accepted whether it was the theater with plenty of other gays and you know um can we still say fag hags um or or with my parents you know so um you know I I um you know I I I I didn't have it rough in that respect but you know I, I will say that There are negative messages given to LGBT people from their schoolmates, from their parents sometimes, from their, and not in my case, from their church. My parents are quite religious. And those messages really sink in. And some of those messages are things like gays deserve AIDS because they're sinful. I mean, this is what Donna Summer was busted on um after getting so much success as a disco queen you know beloved by the gays in the 80s she kind of you know uh you know came off of the cocaine and got back to her religious roots and thought oh what have i been do- doing having orgasms in songs like oh love to love you baby well that's
0: you know, classic you know what i mean
1: It's a classic, but it was banned in Chattanooga. And sometimes, you know, these churchy singers who became beloved by gays, who really boosted their careers, um, they they kind of, you know, like in in her case, when she got off the drugs, they went back to their churchy roots, and they kind of disapproved of some of their fans. And so, you know, that's that's you you have to be on. Even if you are a strong person like me, you never know where these messages can seep into your subconscious,
0: and it is important to be aware of them and to shut them down. That is true. Were you, were you, and are you a Donna Summer fan?
1: Oh, I'm. I'm a huge Donna Summer fan, and and I'm actually, you know, um, I I don't have to agree with everything everyone does to like them. Like you know, I mean, I love Joan Rivers, and she was a Republican. <laughs> um, yes, you know, I, 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 I um, I'm not of the mindset that we need to shut everyone down if we don't like every single one of their tweets. And uh, a a funny example is that uh, some people in the gay community who are perhaps more PC than I am. They busted Chris Rock for his monologue where he told a age joke involving Freddie Mercury, and I was like, uh, "I didn't see that yet." But at the same time, that I became aware, actually, the night before, while he was doing it, you know, live, a friend of mine with HIV texted me and said, "Chris Rock is killing it on SNL right now." So. It it just depends where your where your mindset is at. I don't believe we should shut people down if we don't care for their act. Uh, I think yeah, we should just I focus mean, on I, the act of who we like. Just focus on who you like and 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 don't don't don't. I'm, I don't I don't want to, to shut people down. You know I want them to do their thing and you know uh, and let me do mine.
0: I thing, agree I with think, you. I'm I'm I not into cancel culture personally. No yeah
1: well, I mean my own act is 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 dirty, and um you know I know i mean there's a word that that we're not supposed to use that is uh that is, refers to trans people that rhymes with the word granny and I have a trans friend who is a punk rock trans pioneer from the Warhol days along with Hollywood Lawn and candy darling who uses that word to refer to trans people uh that rhymes with granny so i mean i'm i'm gonna listen to the pioneers you
0: know it's who like, is this friend and anyone she's
1: i know jane, uh, she's jane county she became okay uh if you don't famous for main, uh, for for her incredible live shows but uh her biggest hit was if you don't want to fuck me baby 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 fuck off and she's one of the best performers i've ever seen she she influenced david bowie
0: uh, oh, wow. She may
1: have influenced the story of Hedwig, and she's just a fascinating person who I actually heard about on the news in uh, Chattanooga because her band was Wayne County and the Electric Chair Chairs, and when she transitioned, she changed it to uh, Jane County and the Electric Chairs. She's still making music and was kicked off Facebook for using that word to refer to herself, which she is obviously – comfortable with but which the pc police now are not
0: wow well i okay (laughs) there's no i mean i agree with pretty much before we continue this conversation i just want to say that 2020 has certainly been a year and at the beginning of quarantine there was a lot getting in the way of my happiness and achieving my goals and i turned to better help which is online professional counseling. And it really helped me not only achieve happiness during this time, but really achieve my goals. Behind the Velvet Rope went from two times a week to four times a week, and I wrote a book, the Behind the Velvet Rope book. So for anyone that feels that things are getting in the way of their happiness and achieving their goals, I strongly recommend BetterHelp. You don't even have to leave your house. It is online professional counseling. And what I love about it is you can start communicating with them within 24 hours of signing up. Anyone that knows me knows that if you don't get back to me, that is a huge pet peeve of mine. These counselors, get back to you in a very timely manner and you're really matched with a counselor that fits your needs. If you get a counselor that you don't like, you can just request another counselor. Everything, of course, is confidential. They deal with a variety of issues, depression, stress, anxiety, sleep, we're all having trouble sleeping during this, trauma, anger, family conflicts, self-esteem, grief, LGBTQIA issues, And I have to say, it is actually more affordable than traditional online counseling, and financial aid is available for anyone that cannot afford it. So they're growing so rapidly, and so many people are turning to BetterHelp for help that they're looking for additional counselors in all 50 states. Go to BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com, slash Velvet Rope. BetterHELP.com slash velvet rope, and you get 10% off your first month. Join over 1 million people today taking charge of their mental health. You're not alone. If you need help, this is a great solution. BetterHELP.com slash velvet rope, and get 10% off your first month everything you just said. I mean, I'm personally not a fan of cancel culture. That's just me. I feel like you do you. And if I don't agree with anything you say or do, that's okay. You're a human being and you do you and I'm going to do me. I think we've taken this whole cancel culture thing way too far. Honestly. what,
1: what What you just described is freedom. Yeah. You do you and you do me understand that we're not all going to agree and understand that we don't have to pile on to everyone who, you know, doesn't agree with us or who makes a mistake. Exactly. I, I just don't think we should have to walk on eggshells with different opinions, you know? I mean...
0: Well, I agree. And speaking of people who I think would agree with you, you mentioned that you are a huge fan of Joan Rivers, which I am as well. I mean, (laughs) is that, was that like, cause I'm, I was going to ask you like your comedy, like where, you know, like who who did you look to for your comedic sense? Was Joan Rivers one of those that you looked up to?
1: She was one that I looked up to. I didn't really, you know, ever, you know, fashion myself after any comedian, but She's hilarious. I mean, did you hear the joke that Howard Stern read at her uh, funeral right after the gay men's chorus sang? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> For those who didn't, <laughs> she said that, oh, her pussy is so dry. Uh, you know, if Whitney Houston's pussy had been that dry, she wouldn't have drowned in the bathtub because it would have absorbed all the water. So, <laughs> And that is now, now. That is a it's a grim, you know, black humor, uh, you know, dark humor joke. But to me, that's hilarious. And honey, in this godforsaken world with a fucking pandemic, the second that I've lived through, I am going to gravitate to what gives me a chuckle. Whether you think it's right or wrong, I need to laugh. I need to love and live it all of it. So, Seriously. You know that, that we you know I I I don't want to police other people's, you know, um uh acts. I really don't. And you know, I I I I thought that the whole Ellen controversy um was interesting because people, you know, turned on Ellen because her staff was allegedly inappropriate in sexual situation and then in a couple of other, you know, situations. And I don't think anyone was saying that Ellen herself was guilty of any of this. But people are so ready to pile on. Now, to be honest with you, I'm not a huge Ellen fan. I don't have anything against her. I mean she's obviously she she obviously has um uh a, a huge following and, and does what she does well it's not my cup of tea um but you know the show's been on there for, for 10 years but I kind of wish she could have said well you called um you, you, you called me brave when I came out as a lesbian and everybody nowadays wants to talk about ooh strong women well guess what I am a lesbian and you know what? Sometimes I'm a bitch. And and you may have bought this, uh, so now I'm coming out of the closet as a bitch or, or as someone who doesn't police my staff in the way that you think that I should. You know, because it's like, um, you know, when you're a star of Ellen's stature, I think you probably just go in and do your job and you've been doing it for a long time. And then you just get the fuck out of there and everyone else, you know, cleans up after you or does whatever else is after you. You know, I, I don't think that, you know, I mean, they're, they're acting like this was like a culture that she had cultivated of evil people. You know? So I, I, I know that Ellen has made a name for herself by being miss nice. Yeah. You know, and, and this is where it becomes an issue when people find out that you
0: aren't nice. Here's another example. Do you, well, do you think Ellen's not really nice, though, before we go to your other example?
1: I have no idea, but that is what is rumored in Hollywood, and that is what is often the case with some of our funniest comics, with Jerry Lewis uh, being a, a, a famous example. You know, goofy and daffy and funny as hell, but not a nice guy like like notoriously evil. Right. And, you know, I never bought Rosie O'Donnell as a chirpy, you know, fat chick with a crush on Tom Cruise. I never bought that. I never bought that whole act. And then so when it turns, when it turned out to not be true, um, you know, she actually did say some mean things that proved that she wasn't a chirpy broadway loving chick i mean she could still love broadway and i'm sure she still does but um you know i think you know she said she told some woman who works for her who had cancer you deserve cancer now i don't know what context that happened in but it's not something that a chirpy cheerful oh i just love tom cruise you know kind of personality the same with you know rupaul I mean, Rue's shtick is everybody say love, and I'm Mama Rue, the mentor, but as someone who's known Rue for decades, Rue enjoys twisted humor. Rue comes from an alternative culture of you know, punk rock and new wave alternative rock and roll clubs where, you know, there was, there, there, there were, you know, drugs and sex and rock and roll and everything else you can, you can imagine Uh, plenty of alcohol. So it's, you know, it's, but, but, but Rue's, you know, thing that sold for him Uh, is this I'm a mentor above reproach you know immaculately styled and and stuff like that so when Rue tries to vary from the formula that's sold and for example for the season 12 finale he put on an unusual purple latex face mask that kind of looked like a designer version of a Mexican wrestlers, um, people freaked out over it because it was just so, you know, off brand. So So, so when you sell yourself as something, people get upset, confused, or angry that you may not be what you've sold yourself as. I think people should be a little bit more risk, more realistic and realize that, Honey, probably no one is what they sell themselves as, and you know I I remember this going back to um, uh, marveling as a teenager when I found out that people would send floral ar- arrangements when soap stars characters died, not mm. the, the actor who played them didn't die,
0: right? Characters
1: died, so they. Right flowers to no one i mean this is kind of well it's ignorant
0: <laughs> listen i mean people well i mean with with rupaul at least you know you know where the bodies are buried because you guys kind of came up the drag ranks together right <laughs>
1: I don't know if I'd say. You don't have, have to agree the, with I, me. I don't know if I'd say I know where the bodies are buried, but I've had a lot of shared experiences with him, you know, coming up when, you know, and interactions with him. One of the reasons we get along well is that we both enjoy a twisted sense of humor, but that's not his shtick. And, you know, so that's not what he does when he's, you know, uh, on camera. Right. That but he sense. will he will come to my show or to another, you know, friend show, and you know, so I mean, you know, it's 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 the, the you know we we can't deceive ourselves and think that Rue is like this precious saint mentor who is running around looking to help all the dr- budding drag queens <laughs> because right. Rue is also a business person, you know, who has to make tough decisions, and Rue is also a performer with all of the, um, uh, you know, ego and, uh, uh, insecurities that come along with that. I mean, you know, so, I mean, we have to be a little bit more realistic and, and if we were more realistic then if we find out some dirt that changes our image of RuPaul, Ellen, uh, uh Rosie O'Donnell or whoever, um, we won't be that disappointed.
0: I would agree with that too. I mean, and
1: that's why I want to be who I am. And I may not get as far because uh, I love dirty jokes and uh, Bianca loves insult humor. And although she's certainly done well, she sold out Wembley arena and, Seriously, you know, I mean, she's got fans all over the world. So, um, that's why it's important to me to 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 actually be who I am. So, I don't think, and and I'll talk about you know drugs or sex or anything, uh, you know, um, at any time on any social media platform.
0: (laughs) Well, it is a lot more freeing just to be yourself. But I mean, I agree. Like, I think a lot of people lose sight the fact that it is a business, and you morph into this business persona i mean you're still yourself but you have a shtick that works and it makes you money and it makes you a lot of money in a lot of cases right
1: right so so it's so you're and you hit the nail on the head that is why ellen cannot do what i wish she would do and say i came out as a dyke now i'm coming out as a bitch uh you know she can't do that because she does make so much money being mrs nice miss not mrs or is it mrs i don't know how you what you you call a married lesbian ms Ms. i don't know Uh, butch (laughs) Um, i don't i don't know what you you, but but yeah i mean you know she's she's yeah i i don't know it it, i sometimes the people yeah what i i think we covered that (laughs) Well, no. I mean, I. I don't I, think that I don't think that Ellen needs career advice, right? From like I don't. Me. And if she took it, it would totally tank her career. If people can't handle some of her staff, who she probably does not personally oversee. I mean, there were some people who worked on the staff, which, um, uh, you know, kind of said that 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 with several. Staff members, you know, engaging in this kind of behavior that was, you know, abusive. But then you, th- that that there was kind of a culture of it. And so, you know, she made an apology, and maybe she she was aware of it. Maybe she wasn't. We'll never know. But her show, you know, continues. But we also have to ask, uh, what what is considered abusive? You know, right? Um, because that's not the same thing. Um, you know, uh, to everyone, just in the same way that my friend with HIV loved Chris Rock's AIDS joke and uh, others would find that offensive, abusive. I mean, look, there's different standards for the work place and i don't know everything that was alleged but we should probably move on from this because it's it's, it's a couple months old
0: (laughs) yes well i was gonna ask you because i mean one of my questions anyway but you kind of led into it what was rupaul like back before he was the rupaul that is now on drag race and is perceived to be helping all these baby drags all over the like what was rupaul like back in the day
1: beautiful and charismatic and uh a great dancer he does not dance much actually he does dance when he does a dj gig and um you'll see him dance but uh rue is a great dancer and you know that's how you know he made a living go-go dancing uh on a box at a club called weekends in atlanta and um you know he would also go up to people and and say give me a dollar and uh they would they would do it so supermodel was actually a beggar
0: <laughs> wow well th- th- there you go
1: but, but i mean you know it wasn't like you know like a beggar on the street but it was it you know like you're you're in a club and you're messed up on booze or whatever and someone comes up to you and asks you for a dollar and they're wearing this crazy outfit you know with a mohawk and makeup and shoulder pads from a football player and uh, wading boots up to their thighs and a jock strap and you just think it's such an idiotic idea that you give them a dollar or sometimes he would sell a book, as I did. We made little Xeroxed books and, you know, sold them. So, I mean, it was just... <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> the honey, the queen was always a marketer. <laughs> Seriously. How did you come up with your name? Because I know at first your name was Bunny Hickory Dickory Doc. So, how did you come up with that? And how did that become Lady Bunny?
1: Well, honey, let's just say that we took LSD occasionally. And... <laughs> Um, That was never, I mean, I don't think I really billed myself that for very long, but at the same time, uh, in the, uh, you know, early 80s, John uh, Cougar had changed his name to John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah. And for some reason, that just struck me as insane. So I would also sometimes call me, call myself... (laughs) the lady bunny hickory dickory doc cougar melon camp i mean just just to be silly i mean i was not someone i was someone who wanted to meet boys and get drunk and run around in drag i never dreamt that this would be a career you didn't no 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 no. but you know rue uh you know rue was a mentor uh, to, to me uh i think in a in a in a in an actual, you know, life way, um, uh, probably way more so than other, than, than Queens who passed through on different seasons of drag race. I mean, Rue taught me, about music that i still worship to this day like what Um,
0: like what music
1: oh like ashford and simpson uh rue Rue is an uh, 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 like chic which i already knew but um he taught me more about you know who produced what and what songwriters he's an encyclopedic knowledge if you ever listen to his podcast he knows who produced what you know tv shows and what music and you know once i was with him in new york and we ran into uh is it Mika or Misha Paris? And she was a huge, uh, a black uh, lady recording, not huge in terms of size, um, uh, in, in who had a big record deal and was in London, uh, but was huge in, in Europe. Not huge, but catching on. And she was in New York and Rue immediately recognized her. So he's always had this eye for the mm. business. And she was surprised that he recognized her because um she had not taken off here.
0: Wow. And no, he liked, and yeah. Rude likes Jody Watley because I saw him at a Jody Watley concert. So there you go.
1: Yeah. And I mean, one day we were driving around in Atlanta and um, uh, we passed the lead singer of Cameo and, oh. you know, Rude knew exactly who it was. So he's always had a, a show business mind.
0: What was New York like back in the eighties? Well like it 90s. was cheap
1: to live here and the club scene was brilliant and the music scene was exploding with, you know, I mean, the DJs that we that were our like in-house DJs at our clubs were producing hits uh that were played all, all over the world and kept the whole world dancing. I'm talking about Masters at Work, Frankie Knuckles, David Morales, um, you know, the the you know, all of those. You know, Alternate, Crystal Waters, Barbara Tucker, those were all like from here, Baltimore. You know, I mean, Chicago. I mean, so it was, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't like today where the clubs just pay,
0: play top forty. Right, you know? and the clubs were legendary, like Limelight, Tunnel, Twilo, Roxy, Pyramid. Well, they, were, they
1: were huge. And huge. We, st- we stopped, you know, dancing. Uh, you know, like that. So I, I, I don't think that younger people, unless they have been to raves, I don't think that they understand what it was like to walk into a club, say, oh, my God, I love this song, run to the dance floor without even checking your coat, have your friends go get drinks, and then you sit and you stay dancing all night long and you don't know any of the music because it's underground yeah. And that's why you paid the dj because they had the good taste that's why you paid to get in if you want to hear top 40 sit your ass at home and 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 uh and play the radio
0: yeah that that is how it was I, so I, clubs
1: aren't quite as cool nowadays now listen there are cool clubs in brooklyn uh that, that that do play more underground music and so they are keeping
0: that torch alive but they've they've left Manhattan. They have left Manhattan. What about the Cole Club kid scene back then? You know, like Amanda LaPore and Richie Rich and Yes. I mean I was
1: included uh... In that scene, in that. because Michael Ailig was, you know, um, the king of the club kids, and he did hire us. But as Amanda is trans, yeah, and, and 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 I'm a drag queen, yes, I, we weren't exactly club kids who were like gluing a purple uh toy shoe onto the end of our nose i mean we, we we were accepted and and part of that community and hired you know to do the same parties as that community but we were not you know um you know i mean amanda was more like sex bomb who's had a lot of surgery and i was more like you know some crazy Thing from the 1960s and vintage-looking, you know, stuff. So, right, um, you know, a, a total drag queen. So, um, you know, we we the club kids were kind of other, and right, you know, the the most interesting of them did otherworldly looks, you know, with horns or, you know, all over blue body makeup and you know, just you know, stuff that was, that was, um, you know, I mean very, very different. I mean, to, compared to some of them, Amanda and I were trans uh, 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 traditional.
0: Were you close with Michael Alec? Uh, I
1: was, I, I worked for him and I was glad to be employed by him. And I appreciated that he, um, you know, if I ever said we need to do a, a benefit for Wigstock because it's coming up and we're broke, he, he said when. He didn't say, let me think about it. You know, he said, when do you want to do it? And, and here's what the budget is. So, um, you know, he was supportive of me. And uh he was also um, someone who was a maestro who orchestrated many, many fun parties. Now, he's remembered now as someone who, chopped up his drug dealing roommate and put them in a the 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 river that's what he's remembered as
0: that is um, what he's remembered as yes like yes. For, all, for all the millennials out there true story he chopped up his roommate and kept him in the bathtub and then it started to smell and they put him in the river
1: right and um you know so i i but and even though that's horrible um and and he he, hey if you believe in the justice system he went to jail for it and got out so i mean you know uh he did the crime and he did his time and i don't keep in touch with them uh i did a little bit but i um i I would occasionally you know if amanda was in a in a magazine or whatever i had his address in prison and i would just like put a um you know, I'm not saying that he created Amanda, but like with me, he created opportunities for her to blossom as this, you know, scene queen. So, you know, if she was on a magazine, you know, or something like that, I might send it to him in jail. And uh you know, we we did correspond from time to time, but he was falling off the wagon in jail, and I, you know. I after, you know, reprimanding him for for that and saying, Michael, if you don't understand now that that, you know, this drug thing made you kill somebody in a very gruesome fashion, and that's why you're in jail. I mean, so so it, it's easy for me to say that though, because I've never been in jail and I don't know what kind of torture it is that uh that might make a drug addict relapse. Because when Michael killed angel i can pretty safely say that he was addic- addicted to at least two drugs so he he was not uh thinking clearly i mean when you're when you're twisted out of your mind yeah. and you've been up for days without food or sleep um you
0: know what was it like like was that as shocking cuz you know like i remember reading about that a little bit after the fact like was it as shocking you know like in the community just like in the nightlife whether you're a club kid or not like the new york nightlife of cuz like then didn't he brag about it for days and like that i killed this person and no one believed him like and then when it was found out like was that like a sh- like a shock wave that went through like the new york nightlife community
1: it was i mean michael musto in the village voice was reporting on it yeah. you know kind of regularly but to be honest with you that is uh, the 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 I, I i did not like the the fascination with it i do not come from a family of bad people uh, who would do anything like that right and i really it made me pull back and say, uh, cause I was certainly involved in drugs and lots of drinks and, you know, carrying on at his outlaw parties and could have been scooped up and put in jail at any moment. It just kind of made me pull back and say, is this really what you want to do with your life? And so by the time that everyone found out that what, that he had killed and dismembered angel, um, I was just sick of hearing about it and I knew that I needed to focus on performing and I was touring more. And, you know, so I, I kind of bowed out of the, uh, New York club scene to a greater extent and focused on, on, on traveling, uh, and, and, and building my audience. So, um, you know, that, that, and that was what I did
0: until, you know, covid (laughs) (laughs) so for quite a while when did you first like when was your first big quote-unquote break like when did you say oh this drag thing like this could be a living for me like i'm good at it i can actually make a living at it do you remember that
1: um well um i would say that wig stock which was the the focus of uh the subject of wig the movie in 1995 yeah. and then hbo did wig another movie about it that i think you can still watch on hbo um t- uh, two years ago a year and a half ago so i mean creating wig stock would be my claim to fame i don't know if that's my big break my big break was arriving with rupaul and a band who he and i you know go go dance for called the now explosion and it was a drag queen owned and operated venue and we were hired to go go dance on the bar so that was the you know when i had done little guest spots in uh ruse shows in atlanta he didn't really pay so um that was the first time that i had made money um as a drag queen and i absolutely uh, felt at home at the pyramid. I felt, um, you know, it was a mixed rock and roll club, yeah. but it was, it was run by drag queen. So it was really a creative environment. It was a, you know, I mean, some of the talent that came in and out of there or through there or fostered from it were delight, uh, the nineties musical super group, yeah. uh, Antony and the Johnsons.
0: Who are phenomenal, I, fucking phenomenal. The,
1: yeah, pheno- Phil's Sydney Opera House. And uh, also, um, uh, I mean, there, there were many. I mean, the, the, the you know, many, Joey Arias, Lip-Synka, um, you know, a lot of New York legends came through the pyramid.
0: It was a great, I mean, it is a great space, even though it's changed. How did you, how did Wigstock come about in 1985? Like, where did that idea come from? Like, how did that all get organized?
1: Well, the pyramid closed. We were drunk. And so we clowned around in the uh, Tompkins Square. Oh, wow. We uh, um, just thought, what if we had, what if we kind of did a spoof on Woodstock and did a festival not of rock? stuff uh, but rock bands like Woodstock but we did drag queens of course pyramid was a rock club so mixed in with the drag queens there were many uh you know rock bands who would play as well or or other kinds of bands so it was uh, it was i just thought that the, the the talent at the pyramid was so inspiring to me that i wanted it to have a bigger audience outdoors than um those who could fit in the 200 the uh, you know capacity
0: yeah it's small yeah. were you were you shocked or are you shocked that like a wig stock has you know it's taken on a life of its own like it's a legendary thing
1: well it it's taken on a death of its own too but <laughs> yeah every, everything has with coronavirus yes i mean we did it for about 20 years and then we had a cup we did like a couple of wig stock themed cruises after that then we reunited uh with um Uh, a new team to do the wig movie and put the show on way downtown in a beautiful location. Um, But New York is so expensive now that I'm not really sure that an event like Wigstock could happen because the tickets would have to be so high. And, Mm. you know, I just, uh, and they were high. And uh, a lot of people don't have, Money. I mean, this especially now. So, I don't really, you know, unless we got a grant or something, um, or you know, when 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 COVID is over, and lar- I mean, I don't want to even think about doing anything that brings large groups of people together, even
0: outdoors. Yeah. And how did Neil Patrick Harris get involved? Like, kind of when it was revived a few years well, ago?
1: yeah, he and I had been talking about doing a reality show. That would focus on bringing Wigstock back, and that idea segued into actually uh, doing a festival. Well, the reality show, the, the last episode was going to be the festival that we did create. The, the leading up to it would be about, you know, creating it, and we had some funny ideas about our chemistry and, you know, my foul mouth and his kids. And
0: <laughs> but, well, that would that would be funny.
1: Yeah, so, um, but it turned into just uh, you know doing a movie with HBO, which ain't nothing to sneeze at, and uh, that's that. He 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 uh, performed as Hedwig, which a role that he had done on Broadway. Yeah, and so everybody got in drag, and it was really fun because it was a lot of the classic wig stock performers, Taboo, uh, Floyd. Um, from the original Wigstock movie, um, Elipsinka, Joey Arias. I mean, I was so glad to get all those girls back together. Some, you know, and we also had some of the top drag race queens, and also local New York queens who were, you know, maybe not as well known outside of New York, but they're still great performers. So it was, it was, it was a magical day. I'd love to see it happen again. I don't, I'm, I, I, I don't think anyone is planning outdoor events
0: right now what's neil patrick harris like as a person i mean he seems fun but yeah
1: he's fun he's fun i like him
0: what about drag race like there were all the drag race girls there are you shocked at like how kind of like how big a thing drag race has come become Thanks for tuning in to part one of our sit down with Lady Bunny and stay tuned for part two where we talk about Drag Race, more about her good friend RuPaul, about her good friend Mr. Andrew, Andy Cohn. Does she watch The Housewives? What does she think of Andy's success? What does she think of RuPaul's success? We talk more about New York nightlife and our favorite topic, reality TV. Stay tuned for part two of our sit down with the legend Lady Bunny.